Hello and welcome to the Airline Business Podcast discussing key news and trends in the global airline sector. This time, airlines are slowly restoring their networks, but will the demand be there? We look at the challenges facing carriers as they return to the skies. My name's Graham Dunn, and back after a mini break is my airline business colleague, Lewis Harper. Hi, Graham. How are you? Not too bad. The extraordinarily strange times that, that continue, and you've been a, a, a few weeks out of it. What are you sensing from the mood up there? My daughter arrived um, at the end of April, so I had some time off with her and um, and Andrea, my wife. And yeah, it's been um, <laughs> a curious time to get re- uh, used to kind of our new normal amid um, everything going on. And, and obviously, as a consequence of some time away from the office I haven't been following the the kind of goings on in the industry as closely as I normally would so it's, it's in, interesting coming back and and sort of um going straight to hitting the ground running really straight back into to covering things and um a couple of things jump out obviously um so I finished uh, towards the end of April certainly where we were in Europe and specifically in the UK it was kind of a, probably the the toughest period during the, this this first wave of of the virus so um kind of deaths were peaking in the uk um and, and across europe kind of um we were in the middle of a period where flights were essentially grounded but yeah coming back in in early july though obviously i've come back just as um things are starting to change a bit and I, again i'll specify this is this is certainly from a european perspective so we're seeing um there's that those signs of improvement um i think Elsewhere, obviously, it's a very mixed picture. It's noticeable that um, yeah, the World Health Organization is still saying that um, globally the virus is still growing. Um, so we're seeing cases rise in, in a lot of areas of the world. But at the same time, there may be a sense that in some regions, um, that there's, there's a government's beginning to learn what to do to, to keep it under control. And even in a, in a country like the US, where, of course, cases are rising, um, there's also been a sense that to a point there's been an improvement in connectivity um, with airlines adding adding services and frequencies but um, we're still in a place where there, there are a lot on a lot of uncertainties and I don't I don't know how you you would see how things have changed really in, in this period I think you're absolutely right that the certainly in Europe I think and this is probably you know I think echoed in in the US as well that there was a sort of a bit of extra optimism almost in the midst of the crisis you had you know people talking very bleakly airlines talking very bleakly about how long it would take for capacity to come back and how slowly that capacity would come back in and then you know you did see especially as as June continued you did see airlines sort of perhaps a little bit more optimistic about how much capacity and how quickly they could add that capacity in. But, you know, it remains really, you talk about that low bar and it is. I mean, Ryanair, Europe's biggest passenger airline, um, you know, less than, you know, 97% reduction in, in passenger numbers in June. Um, you know, it's a, a, it's a massive, massive drop. And, and so they have a big, big step to take to get going again. And, of course, there remains, you know, uncertainty um across across the board and and then when you look, look to the uh, to the us where you know there was a very sort of you know they're slightly further ahead in terms of of opening up kind of leisure destinations and so forth and of course that has uh is has proved far from straightforward and and you're seeing um you know, slight stalling there as well yeah there's a there's a um and one another thing i noticed along those lines coming back was 
and I also talked about this in the, the briefing, the most recent briefing, um, was this idea, as you say, there, there is a sense maybe that, that there's some confidence coming back in some markets. And certainly I'm thinking away from the airline industry, particularly, I think there's a sense that um, the business confidence may be slightly better than than when we were you know, looking at this, particularly before I went off towards sort of April time. But at the same time, that isn't necessarily translating into uh, improved confidence in, in air travel and therefore in, in necessarily in the traffic we're seeing um, in certain markets. And of course, I think we need to, um, and a fortunate truth for the, the airline industry is that um, it's all very well, you know, business confidence coming back, but, you know, travelling on an, an aircraft is, is a, maybe a step beyond what many people will, will still feel comfortable doing, even in a country or a region where where there's a the sense that, that things are improving um, in terms of the, the how the virus is um, is spreading or, or isn't. So that that's something to keep an eye on, I think, and something that's been very noticeable. And you know, there, there are when I went off in in April, there was it was very much um, most economic forecast for, for for the for the global recovery was a was a long U shaped recovery. There have been some more optimistic coming back to it now. I can see there are some slightly more optimistic um, views really on obviously still, you know, nothing um, that could be described as positive, but, but certainly things aren't quite as bleak in some of the forecasts we're seeing now. We're seeing the Bank of England in the UK, for example, um, say that, that now that there may be more chance it'll be more of a V-shaped recovery, that um, GDP overall won't be down anywhere near as much in the UK as as expected. So, so yeah, th- there are some more encouraging um, um, economic size, but I think the thing that we really need to keep an eye on is how that does translate into travel. As you touched on, I think on, on the leisure side of things, uh, visiting friends and, and family traffic, you know, you could see bit of an uptick obviously we, we talk a lot about the, the the corporate market that is so key to so many so many airlines particularly the the network carriers um and um um yeah again that, that's the thing i think that we're gonna have to keep a close eye on i think and when airlines are still you know talking about this being three or four years before we're back to 2019 levels of traffic they're they're very aware that that particularly that corporate market is something that um is, is, is a long way off coming back, I think. And for, for the latest airline business, we did an interview with Alexander Dejuniak, the Director General of Arta, and you know, to, to get kind of his perspective on what it would take to get back and the challenges there. IATA and, and the other parts of the industry have been working together with ICAO to kind of develop these standards for passenger health and I think all mm. the kind of the measures that would be implemented. And I think, you know, probably two, three months ago, you know, there was a lot of talk about leaving seats empty and so forth on flights and mm-hmm. come to terms with a, a full flight. And, um, you know, the, the economics of that would, of course, make it their services and non-starter even before that begun. So, you know, I think there is a cause for optimism in, in terms of the guidelines are there. Some some guidelines have, have been mm-hmm. agreed at ICAO. You know, I think we've seen this in other sectors and so forth around Getting people comfortable in in the social distancing, the the protection, mitigation across that whole process, and and so I think there's there is definitely you know that provides a framework for this. But you know, 
countries implementing it and countries acting in a consistent way, you know, that's going to be an issue. We're still seeing a very patchy approach to quarantines and uh, mm. people taking different approaches around that. And then, of course, you have the whole passenger perception that ultimately the perception to travel. There will, you know, there's undoubtedly a, um, a desire for people to to travel and some uh, you know some people you know will definitely take up those those holiday opportunities but mm. you know it's difficult to get back to those levels levels of travel you had before so it is a huge step it is yeah and, and actually one thing as you, you touched on the whole um the onboard experience and the idea of keeping the, the middle seat free and i would say one thing i've noticed in from and again this i stress this is from european perspective Go, going off in april it was kind of um it felt like a massive challenge for the airlines this idea that people would be expecting you know whatever two meter social distancing on board one meter one and a half meters whatever it is but actually it does seem to have i think um you're right that, and a lot of this going forward is going to be based the success or otherwise is going to be based on the consistency i think of of how the measures are put in place but certainly i, I get a sense that um that uh Obviously, and it, it's obvious, maybe, but but if you're in a in a place where the the, the instances of the virus are, are down to a much low lower level and it's not spreading exponentially, um, then that that maybe that confidence to get on a plane is isn't isn't so um, so much of an issue. And um, as you know, we're seeing a lot of carriers are you know selling the middle seat. It's not um, some aren't, but but in a lot of cases. They are, and people are travelling, and load factors are ticking up in some markets. So that's not to say, obviously, there are lots of measures that go on before you get on the plane and things. And and you know, in some instances, like Qatar Airways, you go to the extreme where people have to wear masks and face shield, for example, on board in economy class. So so you know, the experience is, isn't <laughs> at all what it was. And and yeah, all airlines are mandating masks at the very least. But as I say, I think there's this. A slight sense, and I guess it's obvious as, as the if you're in an area where the the um, virus for now anyway is is seen to be in in retreat, then then that confidence can come back. And um, obviously, we're a long, long way away from from where anyone wants to be. But um, but yeah, there, there are, as you say, it's slightly more optimistic than we were, I think, um, a couple of months back. Yeah, and I think you see with air travel and for airlines and, and, and tourism generally, it's reflecting what's happening in how countries and people and terms with living with this virus. You know, they have the, there's a kind of recognition that people try and find some normality within it. And I think, um, as you say, as, as people get more comfortable with doing what they were doing beforehand, I think, you know, that will... That will open up the the travel opportunity and that does normalise things a bit more. Whereas I think at one stage air travel it seemed really difficult to to pull that back. I st- you know I think probably the the challenge going forward is going to be what happens when you know jolts to the system and and how countries and governments and and the public react when you know there will inevitably be outbreaks which in some way or some way can be related to uh, or, or pulled back towards travel and and whether whether that has an impact. So it's going to be one to continue to watch, I think. You're absolutely right. It's quite a fragile situation. So I think you, you look at the European market, for example, there's a sense that, yeah, a lot of people don't want to travel by air still, but those that are, 
you know, almost been encouraged to, to go on a summer holiday somewhere maybe. Um, but it feels like all you need is a significant outbreak, say, in a, in a, in a well-known holiday, European holiday destination, for example, that, that could very quickly turn the tide. And that already smaller group of people that, that are you know, willing to do that and want to get back to, to travel in that, in that respect may, um, may get even smaller as a result of that. I think the, the, the other thing worth mentioning, um, kind of touched on a bit already, how the situation in Europe has, has moved on since I, since I um, went on leave. I think on the, at the other end of the scale, you look at areas where the situation has kind of got, got much worse, um, not necessarily just in terms of the virus, but, but um, in the financial out- outlook. And of course, Latin America would be a good example of where now, in terms of the impact on airlines, we're seeing um, probably the most significant, maybe across the world, that this mm. could change. But certainly at the moment, we're seeing what happens when governments don't um, either step in to save the airline or or give general guarantees across the economy that, that are good enough to, to keep these businesses going. Obviously, with the caveat that we've always seen um, um, in covering Latin America, that it's incredibly challenging place to, to run an airline to start with and of course in the set in the case of Avianca they were already struggling anyway and um yeah it's never been an easy place but certainly you know one other note thing over the last couple of months is that shift in where the, the real trouble appears to be but that that's not to say that um it won't shift again um you know even if you know the best case scenario happens and um and we start to see uh globally a reduction in cases and in some regions, they they you know start to prove they can keep the virus under control for a long time. Um, I don't think there's any region in the world where um, you know they're not expecting it to take a few years for for traffic to get back to 2019 levels, and therefore we are you know facing a smaller industry, and and we know what that that might mean for some airlines. Absolutely. And uh, we'll look in a bit more detail about how much smaller and, and how airlines are dealing with that after the break. Whilst this month's Farnborough Air Show has been cancelled because of the coronavirus crisis, Flight Global is partnering with show organiser Farnborough International on FIA Connect, a series of web-based events being held during the week of 20th of July. For more details, go to flightglobal.com. So, of course, uh, one of the most notable things that uh, has, has been happening over the past two, three months for airlines is the measures the governments have had to, to make to step in to save the industry. And, and uh, I mean, I'll be curious as, as somebody, you'd have been watching it, you know, slightly from afar, but you'd have still seen headline stories making it into the mainstream media, mm-hmm. uh, jobs and, you know, the, the question of whether governments get involved. But I suppose arguably what, what we haven't is a lot is very many airline casualties through this no we we um obviously we just um in the first part touched on how latin america i think is the the region where we're seeing you know the, the very real impact um maybe more quickly than you know, we've seen obviously i mean fly b fell over you know, very early in this and you know, arguably were we're on track for that at some point anyway. But IATA's you know, early press conferences when we were going into this crisis were about the immediate threat to so many airlines. And to an extent, many governments have addressed those issues in the short term. But I think the next few months are, are going to be absolutely critical in this. And what we're seeing, of course, is um, you know, look at the US, for example. 
US is when we talk about airlines collapsing is probably slightly different in terms of it being a much more mature market where it, it's um kind of you know covered by uh, a few very very strong financially strong generally um carriers so we may not be um such high risk there but even those airlines are obviously talking about tens of thousands of of jobs going when the um the their agreement under which they they got government help ends and they no longer need to uh, you know mandated to hold on to onto their their workforce at the current levels but you look at the US market where yeah you're talking about 10,000 of jobs going to keep the airline going and then you you translate that into other markets where where they're traditionally nowhere near as profitable or strong and you know as we're already seeing in Latin America and as we i imagine we might try to start to see in Europe in the coming months i think um no one is out of the woods yet at all governments have given airlines breathing space you know there various regulations various financial support and so forth and and you've seen you know some airlines have secured um you know large financial bailouts but exactly as you say that is a stabilization and some airlines may be able to you know have managed to generate finances through you know the prime market or the the strength of their their previous model but clear is this is going to be you know a much much smaller industry and i think you've seen from the various job cut announcements that have come uh you know with some really large figures uh being looked at and, and obviously there'll be a process of you know negotiating that down with the unions in terms of to what extent can can jobs be saved through efficiency savings and and cost deals and so forth both in terms of the number of aircraft moving out the fleet retirements the deferrals, aircraft cancellations. We, we're starting to get much more colour on that. You know, I think it's still early. You can, you know, there's lots of guesses as to how much smaller the industry will be or to what extent it will come back by the end of this year. But in recent weeks, there's been a bit of a reality check in terms of we knew this was coming, but there's more detail on those cuts and, you know, the impact mm. of, of that loss in traffic is clear. That's it. And there are, yeah, certainly, again, something that I've noticed since I come back is that the last um, week or so has definitely been marked by, as you say, a lot of in Europe, a lot of airlines announcing, and now I'm um, moving to the US as well, that a lot of airlines announcing, um, um, proposing, shall I say, um, um, job cuts. And as you say, it, it's not, um, they probably go high on them because they know that they'll, in some regions anyway, have union pushback that will almost certainly lead to the num- eventual number maybe being slightly smaller. But yeah, it's an absolutely crucial period. And I think, um, um, Airlines that are able to do that and um, um, will give themselves um, obviously some hope going into what I think is going to be a key um, a winter season in the northern hemisphere. We we know that the last few years in Europe, we've talked a lot about how the winter season will often bring about the, the collapse of you know three or four maybe fringe players in in the market at the best of times. And I think. Um, in the Northern Hemisphere, so many airlines won't have had anything like the full summer they'd have been expecting when, you know, they'd be expecting to bring in money to, to see them through the rest of the year. So they're making the right moves and obviously all these job cuts and everything and and fleet um, reductions or you know, parking aircraft semi-permanently, whatever, is um, is all part of, of handling this. We hear most about the airlines that got the, those levers to pull. I think there are certainly some of the smaller carriers don't have that ability to make wholesale changes and um, that much room for manoeuvre. So it's certainly going to be um, an interesting few months. And I don't think, um, as I say, anyone's out of the woods yet. The, the one caveat on this, something that's 
a huge help is is the low fuel price. And um, it was something that was there through the period where so many airlines were almost completely grounded. And at that point, it's um, it's not really that much help. But certainly going to a period where airlines are trying to ramp up operations and in doing so, obviously incurring, again, beginning to incur costs as much as they are you know, bringing in, finally bringing in more revenue. Certainly having fuel so low is a massive help. And yeah, that, that will be an important factor for a lot of a lot of airlines, I think, and and those that survive and and go on to prosper, I think, will, will that will have been a, a big part of that. I think absolutely, and and you can see it with you know the eagerness of governments to try to push that summer season, sort of encourage people. I mean, it's a really difficult message for <laughs> for governments, clearly, which is <laughs> stay safe, but can you can you please travel and spend and you know everything attached to that which, which obviously isn't just attached to to aviation but it does illustrate you know for airlines how how important this sort of second half of the summer season is and to what extent airlines are able to kind of rescue something from it in terms of their service and and of course you know if it goes where you can maybe then use that as a bolster things for the for the winter and you know and people get more comfortable traveling again mm-hmm. getting people to fly over this summer period is going to be absolutely crucial but it you know the challenges remain in terms of so much uncertainty with the, with the development of the virus you mm-hmm. planning being a network planner now or an airline must be sort of uh, you know nightmare really yeah because like you say it's almost like this this period now um next probably two months is, is almost like a big PR exercise for for the airline and the airports industry I guess it's um if they can get through this without you know there being any significant kind of uh, virus related developments that are you know attributed to either air travel or or the airport experience then then you know as you say that that will be absolutely crucial because so many airlines won't be expecting demand would be expecting demand to be down in winter anyway um but um but it's all about confidence now but of course as you say that there are things that um we know this very well even before this crisis the airline industry is beholden to so many other different factors and the the the, the biggest one and and one that's obviously affecting everything at the moment is is the how the virus progresses and um as i say we're talking from a place where at the moment um, you know, cases are down, but as I said earlier, you know, WHO is saying that cases globally are rising, um, and you know, it's a huge challenge to be trying to ramp up operations in that environment. And so much does hinge on, you know, whether you know this virus you know, proves to be one that that can be controlled with a reasonable level of air travel happening until we have a treatment or a or a, a vaccine. Or, or we get to the point where it's, um, um, which is kind of probably maybe wishful thinking, where it kind of fizzles out to an extent. So, so yeah, it's 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 um, incredibly challenging, and as ever, the airline industry doesn't have control of anything like all the levers in terms of its um, its future path. So plenty of developments to come, and I think all eyes are on these next couple of months to see what lies ahead in the winter. So that's all for this time. You can find links to the stories we have referenced, including my interview with IATA Chief Executive Alexander DeJunier in the podcast notes. And you can keep up to date with all the latest on how airlines are dealing with the crisis at flightglobal.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. And we'll see you again next time.